Welcome to the Monetary Mixtape with Will Hoffman, founder of Hoffman Wealth Management. In this podcast, we help fellow Gen Xers simplify complex wealth issues that are important to Gen X. We do this by cutting out the mundane material and using a refreshing approach to finances in a way this skipped generation appreciates. Join us for this ride where we explore financial planning and wealth management as Will Hoffman draws from almost 20 years of experience and brings to you qualified guests to help be your latchkey to tricky monetary affairs. Welcome to Monetary Mixtape with your host, Will Hoffman, where we talk about the ever-forgotten Generation X. I'm Wendy McConnell. Today, we have another guest. So, Will, who is it that we have? Hi, Wendy. Uh, We have Cam Marston of Generational Insights with us. Cam is somebody that, that I met a few years ago at an industry conference and have taken away all of the the information he shared with us there. I followed all of his content, uh, pretty strong content when it comes to how to communicate amongst the generations, how to uh, advise different generations. Even though we we love the the monetary mixtape and Gen X uh, at our firm, we do focus on uh, every generation and, and clients from all the way from the greatest generation all the way to Gen Z. And Cam's insight has helped our firm a ton when it comes to understanding what these generations want, how they uh, how they like to receive advice, how they view money and finances. And when we launched the monetary mixtape, he was the first guy that I thought of that I wanted to have on as a guest. I've been excited to to talk with him about all of this. I'm excited for our listeners to hear what Cam has to say. Uh, so without really much more further ado, welcome Cam Marston of Generation Insights to the Monetary Mixtape. Thank you, Will. What a generous introduction. Thank you very, very much. Well, and I, I, I'm afraid I may have even still undersold the the impact that you've had. So I guess first off, thank you. You're welcome. I'm grateful for the acknowledgement. Thank you very much. Your industry is one of my passions. And and, and you've had a tremendous insight and tremendous impact that that allows us to to help clients. Um, and that needs to be acknowledged. So like I said, thank you. And we're excited to have you here. If you can, Cam, just start a little bit and tell us what it is you do, why you do it, where your passion for, you know, the different generations and, and how we affect the workplace and the marketplace came from. Sure. I started studying the workplace, marketplace, demographic shift probably 22, 25 years ago, something like that. And the initial question came to me from employers going, what's wrong with kids these days? This generation doesn't, <laughs> they don't behave like we expect them to. And at the time, 20 something years ago, it was the baby boomers complaining about the Gen Xers in their job. So what I did was begin to organize How data. How dare they? Yeah, uh, organize <laughs> content and bring it to these meetings full of baby boomer, usually HR managers and say, hey, here's here's what you don't understand and here's why they're different. And gradually over a period of time, that research began to uh, marry with financial services industry and began to gather information that would be helpful to my clients who were lots of audiences of advisors trying to build their book full of younger, uh, younger clients. I'm a baby boomer, how do I attract a Gen Xer into my, into my uh, firm? 
as both employee, incidentally, as both employee as well as client. I'm a baby boomer. How do I uh, appeal to my client's children, which are often the millennial generation? So we organized the content that we've been researching on the workplace and put it together and made it relevant for financial services. And it's been a, a great niche business for me. And we published the book called The Gen Savvy Financial Advisor that was addressing those needs. And uh, it continues to go. It's surprising to me, but the, the content continues to evolve and change, which keeps me on my toes. Yeah. And, and that book is a mainstay on my desk, uh, not even on my bookshelf. I, I don't even, I really don't even bother to put it away because I know I'm going to turn to it and bring it back out. So it stays on my desk. It's right here in my hands as we're recording. Hey, how about that? That's nice to see. <laughs> Thank you. Only the, the thing I failed to do was get it autographed when I met you a few years ago. Oh, I got plenty of autographs to give out. And most people, uh, I autograph each of the books uniquely so I can see how long before they get on uh, eBay. <laughs> no, when I signed it and for whom. <laughs> so you mentioned there um, in the description of what you do that it seemed like the primary question was the difference between Gen X and the baby boomer generation. What is that? What What is the big difference? What What's kind of shaped our generation compared to previous generations that that struck a chord with managers in the workplace to try to figure out how to deal with us. Yeah. Well, let me, let me kind of step one, take one step back and then I'll answer that. Yeah. When I first started 20 something years ago, the question was, what's the difference between the boomers and the Xers today? The question is what's the difference between the Xers and the millennials and the millennials and Gen Z. So it's, it's evolved, but back in the day, one of the great differentiators of the baby boomers and the generation Xers, and there's a long story that goes into it, but uh, the baby boomers were raised in a very teen-driven environment by parents who had great reverence, and many of them had direct experience with the military. And that military experience shaped the boomers as children, and the boomers then used it as best they could to shape their own children. The Gen Xers came into uh, the marketplace or the workplace without that same team definition driving them. Something happened, and the Xers became much more uh, unique individuals than members of the team. That was kind of one of their, none of them would actually say that I'm a unique <laughs> individual, uh, but that's the way they were raised. That's when this special and unique and different from everyone else attitude of raising children that was pushed out by Dr. Benjamin Spock and, and Fred Rogers from Mr. Rogers neighborhood. They began to really push to focus on individuality and self-esteem in your children. And the parenting trends of the time caught, got caught up in it, and the Generation Xers were raised to be different, to be each of them unique and different versus the value of blending into the team. And that's where the boomer challenges lie. We don't understand this group. They're not as willing and as eager to jump in as a teammate as I was at their age trying to build the career. And there were a lot of uh, the Xers became very skeptical of corporate careers as well. You're, you're loyal to a company and through things that are completely out of your control, suddenly you're out of work and you wonder, why did I do that? So they've entered the workplace with a bit of a skeptical attitude. This was 20 something years ago. Skeptical attitude, a little bit of questioning of the motives of the organization for whom they work. They're at, they've been raised to stand out and be different versus blending in. Uh, they were celebrated for things that historically had not been celebrated. And I think of the early days of participant trophies. This is, you know, you... <laughs> failed miserably at this contest, but here's your trophy. And, and it, it's what 
made them unique in the workplace at that time that the boomers couldn't quite put their finger on. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the Monetary Mixtape because you want to learn about financial planning and wealth management. If you have any questions at the end, please head over to www.hoffmanwealth.com or look in the show notes to schedule a call with us. When you touched on somebody that's a, a soft spot in my heart is Fred Rogers for two reasons. One, I grew up on Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and watching it religiously. And we are also positioned uh, just east of the city of Pittsburgh where they filmed Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and yeah. he is born just a few miles to our east in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. So, yeah, we we have a special spot for Fred Rogers here and, and miss him greatly. Uh, I actually know a gentleman who moved his piano. No kidding. Yeah, moved his piano from his uh, widow's apartment. Yeah. He would sign off every episode looking into the camera, making eye contact with the camera, essentially eye contact with you and me, and say, there's no one else like you in the world. That was kind of one of his signature lines. Mm -hmm. We looked at it at the time and and we thought it was wonderful. And and it's hard to say it's not wonderful. Right. That message repeated over years, as well as parents and teachers with the special and unique and different from everyone else, caused Generation Xers to come out of the gate as unique individuals versus seeking to be members of the team. Now, they doesn't mean they don't understand team behavior, but there was a different motivation in them that has shaped their attitude till today. And one of the other things, and we could go on and on about this, but I love this conversation. We were very vulnerable to peer reviews. We were the first generation that really began to adopt peer reviews of anything. Amazon came along. We were friendly with the internet. And suddenly it wasn't a professional reviewer talking about the television. It wasn't a professional reviewer talking about the restaurant. It was people like you and me weighing in on not with non-technical, non-professional lingo saying, this is why this TV is good. And it made each of us a more skeptical consumer of wondering now these professional reviewers, were they paid off to say this about this TV, (laughs) this movie, this restaurant? I'm much more interested in what my peers say, which is one of the selling components to Generation X. In other words, I'm not interested in how many star ratings your business, your company, your firm, your practice has. I want to know what my buddy says about you uh, because I have reason to trust these professional reviews. And, uh, you know, cited as the advisor of the year by XYZ Magazine, that's wonderful. Probably a pay job in there somewhere. What is my (laughs) friend who's like me, who has children like me, who has challenges like me, who has income like me saying about you? I don't care what the magazine says. It's nice. Put it on your wall, but I'm not going to book. I'm not going to do business with you because of a magazine review. I'm going to find somebody like me, which is what peer reviews did on Amazon yeah. and everything. It, it, it got us into a different consuming habit of how to evaluate professional service providers. Right. Well, and throughout my career, those awards have been something that, you know, they call and, and ask if we want to participate in. And I've, really never had interest because of what you just said. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's, I, I want my clients to be the ones who are giving us awards and giving us praise, not, not a publication or, or a, uh, you know, an industry publication or, or industry group, for example. And the peer review thing it really strikes me also, because when we had our first son, Liam, my wife stalked peer <laughs> reviews for the things that she bought for him and for the things that we equipped our nursery with. And 
she knew more about the products than the people that made the products based on reading every review. And now when we go to book an Airbnb, I look at the photos and say, this looks nice. And she goes, yeah, but the reviews are awful. This one said this, this one said that, this one said, and she, she is exactly what you're talking about. She stocks reviews and I call her Yelp. That's her nickname, Yelp, because she knows more than the rest than the waiter does at the restaurant. Yeah, I love the term stalkers, Gen X stalkers <laughs> when it comes to product services people and they will read the reviews. It's it's definitely one of our characteristics. I I I don't like it, but the out the other generations that surround the Xers often put the title of cynical. You're a cynical generation. I call mm-hmm. us pragmatists. We're we really want to know what the the truth is. Anybody can take a beautiful picture of a house for an A B right. Airbnb thing. But what are my peers saying? And that's the, that's the that's what others would consider cynical. But to you and me, uh, pragmatic, practical. You know, let's do our our due diligence. And for the longest time, the Gen X female has been the queen of the world in the consumer products things, just because of what you've said. Mm-hmm. And her referrals were huge. Her purchases were huge. Her verifications of purchases were huge. I think that crown is being passed right now to the millennials just because of the the youth influence on any sort of marketplace is driven largely by youth, particularly consumer marketplaces. But the longest time, the Gen X female was the queen of the world. And if you got an endorsement from her, you should champion it. But woe to you who scorn that consuming machine because she will just as quickly get on social media and tell you who not to do business with. Sure. So she's a very valuable person in the marketplace. Like I said, though, I think that hat that hat has been passed now to the millennials, female being the key influencer in the consumer marketplace today. Gotcha. So our generation is often referred to as the skipped generation or ignored generation when it comes to especially a lot of marketing. Why do you think that is? I think we're a smaller group. Okay. Population wise, we're smaller. Right. So if I have a limited bucket of dollars and I can go after a massive group of the boomers and or a massive group of the millennials where they have similar characteristics, uh, why would I do, why would I focus on Generation X instead? Second reason is kind of what we said. We are often considered a skeptical consumer and it's too much work to get us to pay attention, to get us to believe what they're saying. They have a recipe for the baby boomers, the marketers. They have a recipe for the millennials and the recipe for generation X is, is much more uh, difficult. It's much more, it's harder to create. So for that reason, they often skip us and very few ads are placed in front of generation X. When you do find a generation X ad targeting our, our chapter in life, and this is a personal observation, I don't have data behind it, but the male is often a bumbling fool you know, put your radar up and watch the gen ads targeting the Xers about our age. The male on the show is going to be a bumbling fool. And I don't know what their strategy is on that, but they, they tend to they overlook us. We're too much work. They've got a good recipe for the boomers and millennials. The Generation X recipe is too complex and there's really, it's really too hard, too much work to figure them out. And there's this disdain for the male. I don't know why. Huh. 
let's make let's make sure he is a an idiot in the in the ad. Oh geez. Yeah. Oh, Wendy, you keep it down over there. I'm, I'm... <laughs> I'm just listening and learning. So what types of things, Cam, did did you or did you suggest or did you see companies implement after they would receive your insight? Well, there's a, there are a couple different answers to that. In, in terms of marketing, like in, in terms of trying to appeal to the Gen X consumer, those that wanted to embrace that work, I told them my advice was to uh, casual up a little bit, particularly, and I'm a big advocate for first impressions being made today on the internet. So my first impression of anybody that I'm going to hire, professional services particularly, is going to come through a web search. And what am I going to see? And I think there's still a lot of the baby boomer driven ideology on what people should see on a web page, which is professional and buttoned up and only their professional CV on the uh, professional bio. But I said, I think you're going to find that the extras are going to look for something a little bit more casual. So I want you to do both your professional side. Here's who I am uh, when I'm working but also a bit, about a third as long, not the whole length of you of here's who I am when I'm not working because these people want to see someone they can relate to versus the professional. I want somebody who knows their business, of course, but that I can relate to at the same time. And so that's one of the pieces of advice I pushed out there, continue to push out there. And I'm seeing some of the advisors that I work with, as well as other professional services groups, kind of tone down their approach to the marketplace. Still want to be very good at what we do, and I want you to know that, but human at the same time. Uh, additionally, in the workplace, it's a Generation Xer tends to be more of a, uh, let's say, they tend to be, I call them intrapreneurs, entrepreneurs on the inside. And they uh, are kind of problem solvers. And it all stems from, you and I are both pop culture fans, but it all stems from this this uh, latchkey kid chapter in our lives, at least in my life and so many of the Gen Xers lives, of the parents leaving the children at home as they both worked, a big economic necessity of that part of the life, that part of, of our childhood. And if it was a two-parent household, likely they both worked. If it was a one-parent, certainly that one parent worked. And leaving us alone at home to figure things out. In fact, I kind of tell a joke about it in a lot of my seminars. I could have called my mother at 3.30 in the afternoon and said, Mom, I'm uh, hungry. Same with my father. I'm hungry. There's no food here. And their answer would have been, figure it out and don't call me at work. <laughs> I could have called her and said, hey, my brother's arm has fallen off. He's bleeding all over the place. And she would have said, figure it out. Don't call figure me at work. <laughs> so this figure it out attitude and kind of go it alone has been a part of Generation Xers. And in the workplace, what I advised their managers as the Xers were entering the workplace is give them the challenge, describe for them the outcome, what it needs to look like, but don't get too bogged down in the way they'll do it. They'll figure it out. And you gotta kind of hands off a little bit more, leave them alone a little bit more. Be clear on the outcome, be clear on the deadlines, but don't get into the weeds with them. And that's the way we have progressed in the workplace. I feel like we have become entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs on the inside of organizations with the figured out attitude that was, that was weaned into us, if that's a correct expression, as a young child. But it's that same attitude of figure it out that the Xers retain today in positions of leadership in the workplace. 
that is causing a lot of frustration with the millennials as the Xers manage the millennials and tell the millennials, hey, you guys got to figure things out. The millennials, through no fault of their own, have not ever had to figure too much out. They have been raised giving a lot of the answers have been given directly to them. So when I look at a millennial employee and say, yeah, figure that out, they hear that and say, this guy doesn't like me. And I want to work in a place where they like me. And if he doesn't like me, I'm not so sure I'm going to stick around here much longer. So now I'm working with the Generation Xers in management saying, hey, that figure it out attitude that's made you so successful will not go well on your millennial employees. You need to pivot. You need to change or turnover is going to become an issue if it's not already. Wow, that's some huge insight. Um, have you put a patent on the word entrepreneur? No, I, I have not. I've, st <laughs> I've stolen it from someone I told him I'd credit him twice and then it's mine and I've given them their two credits. Now it's mine, but it's not. I use it as if it's my own, but I'd get into some mud if I tried to patent that. <laughs> That's a great word. I don't know. Uh, hopefully our listeners are having the same experience I am right now. I, I feel like you're uh, looking deep inside the way I operate from a personal standpoint as being an entrepreneur and don't micromanage me. Don't mother me. I know what the deadline is. I know what I need to do. I'm going to do it my way. It's going to be done well. It's going to be done right. It just is going to be done by will and not by somebody else. And right. that's, that's a great term. Well, yeah. And I think it's what, what strove, why I didn't last long in a corporate setting and, and struck out on my own very, very young and, and wanted to own my own firm because I'm fiercely independent and, and knew I could do things the right way for folks in a lot more efficient capacity, I thought. Yeah, I, I think your story is very similar to a lot of Generation X entrepreneurs. Is uh, There are plenty of us that are working in the corporate world today and enjoy the protections that the corporate world provide. However, there's a lot of people like you and me who said, I, I would flourish more if I weren't tied to this, the, the restrictions and demands of this organization. Yeah. So you did mention that you and I are, pop culture junkies. We, we love the, the, you know, the things we grew up with, the, the television, the movies, the music. There's one thing that we haven't touched on yet. And I, I think it's a great sort of part of our generation to talk about with you is really, you know, significant events, big news events, big generational shaping things that occur that have an impact on a generation. And that is going to be a teaser for our next episode. I invite you all to join Cam Marston and myself on the next episode of Monetary Mixtape, where we will discuss the events that have shaped our generation and more. Well, thank you for tuning in. Will, I wanted to ask, how do people get in touch with you? As always, it's HoffmanWealth.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Is Will Hoffman. The links are always in our show notes from the Monetary Mixtape, but HoffmanWealth.com, you can book a call with us right there, have a discovery conversation about any anything financial that, that you have some questions about. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Cam. And thank you for joining us on Monetary Mixtape. Please like, follow, and share with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Don't bounce just yet. The streetlights haven't come on. Thank you for listening to the Monetary Mixtape Podcast. If you thought this episode was dope, then click the follow button to be notified when we drop a new episode. Visit our website at hoffmanwealth.com or give us a call at 724-522-5411. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available.
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hoffman Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, a registered investment advisor. Private Advisor Group and Hoffman Wealth Management are separate entities from LPL Financial. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly.